Good afternoon, everybody. This is Joe Cunningham here at News Talk 965 KPL. Glad to be with you guys today. It's an exciting day if you like LHSAA sports. Uh, this week will kick off the playoffs for prep soccer, and we have a lot of teams in the local area that will be taking part uh, in Division One. Number 16, Lafayette, will be hosting number, number 17, Pineville. Uh, New Iberia will be traveling to St. Amant. Let's see. Uh, we've got uh, St. Thomas More has a bye this first round. They are number one in Division Two. Uh, you have, let's see, uh, Karen Crow will be traveling to Bonnebel in Division Three. You have Cecilia traveling to North Vermilion. Uh, Bel Air traveling to David Thibodeau. Erath traveling to Archbishop Hannon. And uh, let's see, Turlings has a bye in Division Three uh, and in Division Four. LCA traveling to St. Charles. Uh, Catholic of New Iberia traveling to Westminster Christian. Uh, and a few more local area teams. Uh, ESA has a bye in that first round. So several local teams. Uh, that's on the boys' side, several on the girls' side as well. Uh, you're looking at New Iberia traveling to Mount Carmel. Um, let's see, Sulphur coming to Lafayette to take on Lafayette's girls. Uh, and so on. We've, we've got plenty on that. STM, again, has a bye in the uh, Division Two for the girls. Turlings in Division Two for the girls has a bye. Uh, David Thibodeau's girls traveling to Lutcher. Uh, let's see. I swear I'm missing one, but I cannot for the life of me remember. Oh, yeah, Vermilion Catholic traveling to Dunham. So there's a lot of great soccer taking place this week. Uh, if you want to go and check out your local high school, go and support uh, your players. Go and support your local schools. And as somebody who follows uh, prep soccer here in the state, I am very excited because there are a lot of great matchups coming, especially here in the Acadiana area. Glad to be with you guys this afternoon. Uh, glad to uh, make it through this weekend, which was uh, thankfully a low-key one, one where I was not having to travel, which is not always the case. But I'm, I'm thankful for the opportunity to just be at home and do some cooking. It was a gumbo weekend. It was a chicken and sausage gumbo weekend for us. Not sure what it was for y'all. Uh, but as Brandon said during the traffic update, lots of traffic uh, uh, incidents out there. Uh, Ambassador, we got a couple of issues, so please keep an eye out on that. Verot, uh, Tudor, and Kali all looking at some issues as well. On the national scene, who could have predicted that a very partisan pick for Health and Human Services Secretary might already be on the way out the door after completely mishandling a global pandemic. Xavier Becerra, Health and Human Services Secretary for the Biden administration, uh, is not very well liked in the Biden administration, according to the Washington Post. From the Post, White House officials have grown so frustrated with top health official Xavier Becerra as the pandemic rages on that they have openly mused about who might be better for the job, although political considerations have stopped them from taking steps to replace him, officials involved in the discussions have said. Top White House officials have had an uneasy relationship with Becerra, the Health and Human Services Secretary, since early in Biden's term, but their dissatisfaction has escalated in recent months as the Omicron variant has sickened millions of Americans in a fifth pandemic wave amid confusing and sometimes conflicting messages from top health officials that brought scrutiny to Biden's strategy, according to three senior administration officials 
and two outside advisors with direct knowledge of the conversations. So Becerra, who was prominent in Democratic circles because he was the guy that went after uh, the nuns suing in the uh, Affordable Care Act case and won. Again, Health and Human Services Secretary, whose claim to fame was suing nuns on behalf of the federal government, uh, not working out as the Secretary of Health and Human Services for the Biden administration. Who would have thought it? Uh, This is a very big deal, not because the Omicron variant is going to kill us all or because this has actually made the situation worse or anything like that, but it's a big deal because a lot of the people that were involved in helping Biden pick his nominees and helping Biden set up his administration, a lot of them were holdovers from the Obama administration, people that Biden knew and trusted from Obama's time in office and very, very progressive activist types, not really clear administrative heads. They all had a lot of theoretical progressivism they wanted to push, and Becerra was one of those guys that they thought would come in and do the right thing. Unfortunately, he's a terrible pick, if you have an actual health crisis, like a global pandemic, and Becerra is completely unable to handle the job, he's, he's been responsible for creating a ton of uh, misleading or miscommunicated talking points between the Biden administration and the general public. He's also unable to rein in folks like uh, Dr. Anthony Fauci and others who go out and say things that confuse or even infuriate a lot of uh, a lot of Americans with the messaging they're putting out there. No clear messaging has made it a very difficult situation for the Biden administration to try to handle or, or at least PR their way through the pandemic. So it's been a very, very, very ugly situation for Becerra as he's come in. And it looks like uh, in the near future, he could be on his way out the door. Now, again, as the Washington Post article says, Uh, political considerations have stopped a lot of uh, these officials talking on background from taking the steps to replace Becerra. So there's still something keeping him in the way. But you know it's a big deal when the Washington Post and other media outlets are starting to report that Becerra is having problems in the administration. Uh, From the the National Review, among other places, January 8th, 2021, in Xavier Becerra, Biden has selected a hardline partisan with no health care experience to run the HHS during a pandemic. From their editorial, from, a, from the magazine editorial on January 9th, 2021, Becerra has no medical background and no experience running, running a large, complex organization. Becerra's notoriety as a left-wing culture warrior will make it impossible for him to establish credibility with a significant and skeptical swath of the country. The National Review and other places all warning very clearly that Becerra was a bad pick. And the Biden administration essentially doubled down on it and went with it. And as a result, here we are, a little over a year in, and the White House is already considering whether or not they want to keep him around. This is Joe Cunningham on The Joe Cunningham Show on News Talk 965 KPL. When we come back, what did John Bell Edwards know and when did he know? We'll talk about that as statewide media is starting to pick up on this Ronald Green story. When we come back in just a moment. Welcome back to the Joe Cunningham Show here on News Talk 965 KPL. If you want to take part in the conversation, 232-1542 is the number. You can join me on Twitter at Joe P. Cunningham, Facebook.com slash Joe Cunningham Show, 
and sign up for my daily newsletter, kitchenpundit.substack.com, where you can get all of my daily columns, except for today, where I did not write one because I was at home with uh, two sick kids today. So that is why, if I sound a little bit flustered or kind of off today, it's because I, I did not get my usual uh, chances to glance at the news throughout the day and sort of prep things. But I did see this, and this is really a, a tale of, of two types of journalism here. I know the USA Today Network and Gannett get a lot of grief for uh, for leanings in in their writing, and and I will give them the same amount, um, especially with statewide reporters. But you need to see, or you need to at least listen to these two headlines about John Bell Edwards and the the Ronald Green case. It is important that you hear these and understand the difference between what the USA Today Network and Gannett does, and what the Advocate Papers do. Here is the Advocate. Possible, quote, deceit by governor in Ronald Green death warrants attention, House Speaker says. From This is at the Daily Advertisement. This is USA Today Network. Of course, my computer now wants to freeze up. What did Governor John Bell Edwards know about state police cover-up in Ronald Green killing. Now, if you remember, I mentioned this last week. Uh, the Associated Press, in a in a report from Jim Mustian and I think another reporter, uh, detailed how in a text message, John Bell Edwards was informed of the death of Ronald Green at the hands of state troopers, but said nothing about it and did nothing about it. And in fact, state police would go on to push the story that Green died in a horrific car accident. Freedom of Information requests revealed the body cam footage that showed Green's death and later showed the text message that was sent to Edwards about the issue. This is a big deal for Edwards. Now, Edwards is not up for re-election. He's not going to be facing the general public in an election again unless he decides to run for something like Senate later, which he's not going to do. He will find something a little more low-key, maybe a lobbyist job, maybe a, you know something else somewhere. He's probably not going to be um, running for office statewide again. But this is something his party will have to answer for, and I've been telling you about it for weeks now. This is going to play into the divide between white Democrats and black Democrats. Here is a story from... Uh, from Greg Hilburn at the USA Today Network. Louisiana Governor John Bell Edwards faced a course of criticism and questions Monday following an Associated Press report showing Edwards knew about uh, the death of Ronald Green following a violent interaction with state police hours after it happened in 2019. Republican House Speaker Clay Schechsneider said in a statement if the Democratic governor was complicit in a state police cover-up, it would, quote, demonstrate gross misconduct and at the highest level of deceit on behalf of the governor and others. But questions about the timing and the extent of the governor's knowledge about the Ronald Green case were also coming from leaders of his own party. It's a serious concern, House Democratic Chairman Sam Jenkins of Shreveport said in an interview with USA Today Network, but we need to see what the governor's explanation is before we take action. We need to hear from him. Green's mother, Mona Hardin, told the Associated Press Edwards should resign. He needs to go, Hardin told AP. He was able to stand aside as all this unfolded and just remain mute. That's shameful. I hate that I've been lied to. Green died in 2019 following a brutal beating by state police during an arrest in Union Parish near Monroe. 
His death was of his cause of death was first covered up by state police troopers on the scene who said Green died from injuries suffered in a car accident during their pursuit of him before the severity of his beating and investigators' records became public. Edwards was mostly silent about the incident for two years before finally describing the, the killing as criminal in September of 2021 on his monthly radio show, but still insisted part of the things that are being described as cover-ups are not. Edwards knew about this. He knew about the killing. He knew about Ronald Green's death, and he said nothing. He was in the midst of running for re-election at the time. In 2019, it was a contentious time. The Republicans had a chance. Granted, they would blow it, but they had a chance to unseat him. And something like this, this story about a, the death of a black man at the hands of state police and state police attempting to cover it up and Edwards knowing about it would have been absolutely uh, critical in making his, uh, it, it would have it uh, kept his voters home. It would have kept a large chunk of his voters home because if he was part in this cover-up, black voters have no reason to go out and support him. And black voters in the state of Louisiana are already making moves to try and get better representation in the legislature and in state politics. And they will continue to do so because they are tired of guys like Edwards, the white trial lawyer types running the party, despite the fact that black voters have 60 percent of the voting base in their party. And I'm going to keep harping on this because it's going to happen sooner rather than later. Black voters in the state of Louisiana and the black politicians that lead them are about tired of their voices not being heard. And this is where the Republicans actually can benefit a couple of different ways. The first way they can benefit is by making overtures to black Democrats for th in things like redistricting and things like that. They can work on uh, they can work on redistricting in ways that would benefit the black caucus in the legislature, but shut out a lot of white Democrats, the folks that generally support Edwards and would and wish to be like him. So there is the potential for a political move there. But also, the Republicans in the state of Louisiana could really use a lot of Democratic division right about now in order to make uh, their regaining of the gubernatorial mansion a lot easier. Come 2023. But Edwards, Edwards does have to answer for this. And Edwards has to answer for why he had this information, why he let state police go on to describe it falsely for two years before he finally said anything. This is a major problem for Edwards and for the Democratic Party, for state police. If Edwards decides to stay silent on it, he's essentially complicit in it. He will be seen as complicit in it. If he comes out too strongly against state troopers and, and condemning them and this act and everything, and he tries to distance himself from them as, as much as possible, he loses a lot of valuable law enforcement support in the communities. And that could trickle down to Democrats statewide. And Democrats statewide and nationally are already facing a lot of problems. This is a political nightmare for Edwards and for uh, Democrats in the state of Louisiana. But it's also a very serious social matter that needs to be addressed. I don't mean to just make it a wholly political issue, but I'm 
This is why Edwards wouldn't say anything about it for two years because it would have reflected poorly on the fact that he on him because he knew about it while he was running for re-election and said nothing. It doesn't even really make any sense to try to keep it covered up. Not say anything about it. Unless he was trying to keep those sheriffs and, and lots of law enforcement communities on his side in his re-election at a time where it was a narrow race. But there's not really a whole lot of reason as to why you would keep this under wraps when you could come out and actually score a fairly easy political victory by coming out on the side of racial justice and, and, and condemning the act and making a good show of it. But he didn't. And he's going to have to deal with that. He will continue to get questions not just from Clay Sheck Snyder, which bravo to Sheck Snyder for showing a backbone over something. But it's going to be a tough matter for uh, Republicans and Democrats going forward. And this goes back to Gary Chambers, Luke Mixon, the race for the Senate, and what's going to come up in 2023 for the race for the governor. As this saga continues to unfold, and this the, the Ronald Green story has dragged on for a while now. It just continues to deliver headlines. And as the headlines are now taking aim at the current sitting governor, at the leader of the Democratic Party in the state, the Democrats have to figure out how to rid themselves of this problem. 232-1542, if you want to join in the conversation, we're going to go ahead and take a little news break here. When we come back, a couple of other stories. Uh, I, Trump is still out there in the news, and he's still holding rallies, and he's still releasing press statements. Got a few thoughts on those when we come back. And if you want to call in 232-1542 when we return after this news break. Welcome back to the Joe Cunningham Show here on News Talk 965-KPEL, 232-1542 if you want to jump in the conversation. Okay, the the Democratic National Committee chairperson, Jamie Harrison, is now grumbling about tensions between the DNC and the White House, and he's feeling pretty isolated from the workings of the White House, because in election years... The party in power, when they hold the White House, they typically do poorly. But in order to save as much as possible, they do kind of unofficially coordinate. Legally, they can't coordinate. But messaging, talks, things like that, those do help in shaping the path forward for the party. But the DNC and the White House aren't talking. The White House appears to be shutting really anybody from the outside uh, out of all the conversations. Key decisions for the committee are being made by White House Deputy Chief of Staff uh, Jen O'Malley-Dillon, who, spe who speaks frequently with other DNC officials, but only about three times a month by Zoom with Harrison. The limits of his influence are a source of agitation for Harrison, according to multiple people who have spoken with him. This is from NBC News. Now, I say all that to say that the Democrats not talking to each other and not really... Uh, doing much in the way of, of communicating and establishing the game plan for 2022 is a bad sign. But I also say that to bring up a press statement, a press release 
from Donald Trump earlier today where Trump is going after um, he's going after everybody who's been pushing this uh, voting rights bill and in the process he's still talking about the 2020 election and his statement from yesterday if the vice president had absolutely no right to change the presidential election results in the Senate despite fraud and many other irregularities, how come the Democrats and rhino Republicans like wacky Susan Collins are desperately trying to pass legislation that will not allow the vice president to change the results of the election? Actually, what they are saying is that Mike Pence did have the right to change the outcome, and now they want to take that right away. Unfortunately, he didn't exercise that power. He could have overturned the election. This is a statement from the former president of the United States. And he is fighting a battle over the past. And I realize that a lot of people out there listening are not going to like what I'm about to say. But I need you to understand that this is bigger than just whether or not Trump should still be in office. This issue is Trump fighting past battles, battles that, uh, battles that the, the vast majority of Americans have moved on from. And you can see it in the poll numbers. The poll numbers show that, that, more, that more and more Americans are kind of tuning out anything about the January 6th stuff. More and more Americans are shifting their focus to the things immediately in front of them, like the economy, like the pandemic, things like that. More and more Americans are looking at the Biden administration and how poorly they have handled everything from the get-go. And they're looking at who's going to be the person to step up and fix this. And Trump is still shouting from the rooftops about the 2020 election, something that virtually every American has really moved on from. And you may disagree with that, but the poll numbers disagree. The poll numbers say most Americans have moved on. They've moved on to something else. They've moved on to something a little more immediate, a little more recent. And there are loads of Republicans who are trying to figure out how to take this sense of urgency over the most recent issues and turn it into a winning campaign issue. They don't. It, there's not a whole lot of difficulty to it. You just need to gener generally wave your arm around and say, see all of this? This wouldn't happen if I'm in charge. The Republicans don't have to really campaign when it comes to Congress. All they have to do is point at the Democrats and say, this is what you got with them being in control. They don't even really need to say that. The voters are automatically going to side with the Republicans because everything right now is just so bad. And there is no nine-month recovery, really. There's, there's, no, there's no way to turn all this around, every little thing around in nine months. And more importantly, there's no way to really fundamentally shift the polling in nine months without a miracle for Biden. Not because the issues could go away in nine months, but because the Biden administration has no idea how to handle the issues properly in a way that would make the voters see any, feel any confidence in them. Republicans who are focused on the battles of the past 
are not going to be anywhere near as successful as the Republicans who are focused on the present. There are Republicans all over the country that have a lot of success that they can show. Luckily, most of them aren't facing a challenge from Trump. Brian Kemp in Georgia is. Doug Ducey in Arizona might be, depending on if he jumps in for the uh, Senate race or not. But there are several Republicans who wish to move on, who wish to focus on the issues of the moment, and will be faced by challengers from Trump's side. And that kind of division right now is overall bad for the Republican Party. And if you want the Democrats to lose, and if you want the Democrats to lose power, and if you want Joe Biden to officially be a lame duck president, not just lame duck in in everything but name as he is now, you want the Republicans to focus on the present, focus on the issues right now, and continue hammering on those in the public eye. The good thing about Donald Trump's press statements is that they really don't get a whole lot of publicity. They really don't. They'll get some news coverage, but even news outlets aren't giving every word of Trump's, you know, uh, the, the press coverage they used to because he's got no platform to influence a whole lot of people at once. But this is a key issue for the Republicans going forward. Just how far into the past are you going to go with your talking points, with the fights that you want to take on? Right now, the best case scenario for the Republicans is that they completely ignore 2020 and focus on 2022. There are lots of issues right now. If the Republicans want to win, that's got to be the route they take. And it's, it's very tough to look at all of this and see that Trump is going to be the nominee in 2024. So many people want to say that, he's, that Trump is an inevitability. I don't think he is. First of all, like I've said, I'm not even convinced he's running. Second of all, I'm not sure that Trump is inevitable because he's still fighting battles that people are, are focusing on less and less. If Trump were to run again, I think he risks losing in the primary, much less the general election. His entire campaign strategy is to rehash the 2020 election, it seems. And he wants to find people to run for office that will challenge the Republicans who didn't buy into his 2020 rhetoric. And whether you rightly believe that the election was stolen, or whether you whether you believe that the election was stolen in 2020, rightly or wrongly, if you believe that, the fact of the matter is that there are battles to be fought right now on issues that are right in front of voters' faces. Issues that the Republicans actually do have the ability to take care of if they decide to fight the right battles and they're not beholden to the rhetoric of the past. And that will be the big test for Republicans going forward. 232-1542 if you want to join the conversation. Also on Twitter at Joe P. Cunningham. Uh, you can find me on Facebook.com slash Joe Cunningham Show. You can also find me on Red State. If you go to the author's section, you can read just about anything I've written. Uh, but you can find a whole lot of stuff. You can go there every morning to see whatever column of the day I've got. 
And we've got all that and more coming up in our last segment. I guess we need to talk about Spotify, Joe Rogan, and Neil Young. I've been trying to avoid it, but it's just it's becoming too obnoxious to ignore. So we'll talk about that when we come back after this break. Welcome back. This is Joe Cunningham here on the Joe Cunningham Show, News Talk 965 KPL. Uh, so let's talk about Spotify. You can find the podcast form of the show on Spotify, um, and it is not nearly as popular or as embroiled in scandals as Joe Rogan's is. Uh, but if you were to confuse Joe Rogan and me, that's an issue for another day, I suppose. Uh, so Rogan is under fire right now because he allows different people to come on and just supposed experts in their field come on. And some of the experts he's had have pushed a lot of misinformation about the COVID vaccines, COVID itself, things like that. And so because that information is out there, the left wants to completely cancel, abolish the show, get Spotify to remove it from the platform. And Spotify is not budging. Spotify did spend a lot of money on this podcast, by the way. They, they gave Rogan a lot of money to make his podcast exclusive to them. And he's got a lot of listeners. He's got a huge audience. What most people won't tell you is that Rogan also has a lot of pro-vaccine and rational people coming on his show to talk about these issues and giving what the left would call the correct information on it. But they don't care about that. They care about the fact that this little bit of misinformation is out there and they want to silence Rogan's voice because uh, Rogan is not in lockstep with them. And that is their issue. What makes it worse is that Neil Young uh, told Spotify if they were going to keep Rogan's podcast on there than to remove his music library from Spotify. And so Spotify removed Young's uh, music library from Spotify, from their servers. Problem solved, I guess. But a lot of people now are saying that more should be pulling their content from Spotify in an effort to show Spotify what's up. First of all, it's of no real loss to Neil Young if if his music library gets pulled from Spotify Artists make pennies for the stuff that's streamed on those servers. Physical media is what makes them the bulk of their money. But beyond that, nobody is signing up for Spotify because they because they just love Neil Young that much. I'm sorry. If you're a Neil Young fan, I'm sorry, but nobody is signing up on a streaming service to listen solely to Neil Young. There are lots of artists that I like. I'm not signing up just to hear the entire catalog of Pink Floyd over and over again. It's not, that's not how these systems work. Spotify exists because people want to listen to music during their downtime, whether it's, uh, you know, they're at work and they need something to listen to while they're working. They don't want to pull up an internet radio feed or anything like that. They don't want to deal with ads, so they buy a membership. That's where Spotify's money comes in. And when it comes to exclusive podcasts, if they have a large audience, Spotify can offer them a huge, huge paycheck to say, bring your exclusive, bring, bring your podcast to us, let us run it exclusively. 
We'll run the advertisements. We'll make money from the advertisements. You just bring your audience. But this is about silencing the dissent. They don't want there to be dissent. Do I agree with the guests that Rogan has brought on that have taught that have questioned the vaccines and masks and things like that? Not always. Not always. But I don't think that Rogan's entire show should be canceled because of it. It's very, very, very weird that we're going after podcasts now. A lot of people listen to, to Rogan's podcast, don't get me wrong. But they're not listening to Rogan's podcast and going out and saying, you know what? This vaccine is stupid. I think we should shut down all vaccines. Nobody's, no, no significant number of people, there might be some, but no significant number of people are going out and, and trying to convince everybody they know to not get the vaccine because they heard somebody on Joe Rogan's podcast say it. If I were to tell you guys, if, if, if let's say Donald Trump ran in 2024 and I told you, hey, don't vote for Trump, none of you are going out and listening to, after listening to me and saying, you know what, I think Joe's right. I'm not going to vote for Trump and I'm going to preach it to everybody. No, you're going to just go on about your life. You're going to make your own decision based on your own thoughts on the matter. And if you agree with what the person said about vaccines, you agreed with them before, you just had somebody that confirmed what you were thinking. If you hear something I say, it was because you agreed with what I said before I said it. And now you want to, and, and so I'm just reaffirming it. I'm not doing anything. I'm not changing your mind. Radio doesn't really change minds as much as the left would like you to think it does. The, the, the fact of the matter is, the fact of the matter is, the left wants you to believe that they that the media can, that the the radio and everything can change your minds that people talking on a podcast or on the radio can change your minds that they have a lot more influence than they do but that's because the left has never been successful at this at all they've never been successful at radio they've never been successful really with any sort of digital media beyond the occasional podcast but they want to control it they don't have control of it right now and they want to control it We've got a caller on the line. We've got Isaac wants to talk about the Spotify issue. Isaac, how are you? I'm doing good. On my way home from work. Awesome. Uh, listen, th this is my comment about the thing, and I don't know if you touched on it, but I just think the left don't want to have conversation mm -hmm. because, like you said, they want to go ahead and have their conversation or their view always heard, but never the opposite view. What do you think about that? Do you think that the left just don't want to hear the other side, or they're afraid that if someone has a conversation, they might put two two together and have a different view on it. Oh, I think it goes beyond the left. I think a lot of people who are super hyper-partisan do not want to have conversations anymore. They want to really speak at and past each other. But yeah, in this case, this is very much, uh, you know, they've put all of their stock, and, and really this this is as much about the, the stock, that, the political stock they've put into the vaccines as much as anything else, but it does apply to other issues as well. They don't want dissent on something they have put all of their they, they've they've laid all their chips on the table for this one thing, in this case, vaccines. And they don't want to be challenged on that. And any challenge to that really messes up their control of the issue, their control of that talking point. And as data continues to come out that says, hey, you know, the vaccines are not as effective against Omicron. They're not you know, we need to and, and all this 
every every bit of counter factual uh, or anything that's counter to what they believe is factual, they want to silence immediately. This is largely about control. So Isaac, you're absolutely right. This is about control of the conversation. Yeah, because it takes two to have a conversation. It don't matter if I agree with you or not. I can have a conversation with you, and that's the thing. It's not about being having a civil to- uh, conversation. It's just, you know, hey, it's my way or the highway, and that's not how we should do it. We should have a conversation. I'm, I disagree with the vaccination, but I, I'm not afraid to have a conversation with somebody that agrees with it. Yeah, absolutely. All right, uh, Isaac, thank you very much for the call. Unfortunately, we do have to wrap it up for the day. If anybody wants to take part in the conversation beyond the show, you can listen to the podcast version on Spotify as well as on Apple or wherever else you might get your podcasts. You can also listen every day from 3 to 4 here on News Talk 965 KPEL. Join me on Twitter at Joe P. Cunningham and Facebook.com slash Joe Cunningham Show. We're going to be back in 23 hours to have a lot more fun here on the radio, and I hope you guys will join us then. Thank you, guys. Have a great afternoon and evening.